Welcome to Oklahoma Music Legends. I'm your host, Tommy Henshaw. On Saturday, November the 10th, at Memorial Park Cemetery, which is located at 51st and Memorial in Tulsa, my brother Tony and I attended the ceremony to unveil the Leon Russell Monument. To our surprise, we learned that at 7.30 of that same morning, his remains were entombed within the monument. What we attended was Leon Russell coming back to Tulsa one more time. Or what was Leon coming home? The stonework is amazing. The monument itself is beautiful. And I believe, as I sat back and I, and I studied it and looked at it, looked it over, that it absolutely captured the essence of Leon Russell. A thousand thanks to Steve Todoroff, who, along with his wife, ramrodded a myriad of fundraising events to raise the funds for the spot, placement, and the stone. And also, a thanks out or a shout out to Sir Elton John, who topped off the fundraising with a $5,000 check. I got a chance to talk to Steve Todoroff, asking him about his Leon Russell biography, which he told me should be available on Amazon sometime early December. I can't wait for that. Was it cold? Oh, yeah. When we got up, it was 18 degrees. It was 22 degrees when the ceremony began. It was a packed house, 250-plus people, and I learned a new term, a new term called Leon Lifer, something I have always been, but I just didn't know that I was. To be a Leon Lifer, you just have to have been a Leon Russell fan for a long time. I have a feeling that a lot of you listening today are also Leon Lifers. Welcome to the club. Uh, There's no dues. There's no club. There's no website. The only requirement is you just have to be a fan. Well, I certainly qualify, as did everyone else who was there. It was an amazing ceremony. It was hosted by Steve Todoroff. For those who couldn't make it out, a special thanks to the church studios who broadcast it live on their Facebook page. And for those who don't know, well, the church studio is the former home of the Leon Russell Recording Studio. It has since been purchased, and it is under reconstruction, bringing it back to its former self. They anticipate the renovation of the church studio to be done sometime in the spring of 2019. May I suggest that if you'd like to see that ceremony, that you join the Church Studios Facebook page, and you can see it there. You can see it also on Oklahoma Music Legends Facebook page. But let me suggest that you join the Church Studios Facebook page. That way you can be updated and in the know on the progress and when it's going to be open and ready for a tour. The Church Studios anticipate being open sometime in the spring of 2019. I would advise any fan to look at the Church Studios website, thechurchstudio.com, and you can see some pictures, great pictures of Leon, of the inside of the building. There's some merchandise, so you can get some merch. These are great people who are working hard to bring back the facility and turn it into a first-class, up-to-date recording studio. The Church Studios is also registered on the list of National Historic Places. Also, I'd invite you to go out to the uh, Memorial Park Cemetery 
at 51st and Memorial. The staff is incredible. Every encounter I had with, with anyone associated with the cemetery was very pleasant. So what we decided to do earlier in the summer, we did a four-part series on Leon Russell from the early days in Tulsa to the very end of his career. So what we decided to do was combine the four episodes into a single podcast episode, and we're calling it our Leon Russell tribute to commemorate his return home. So sit back and relax. If you've heard it before, listen to it again. If you haven't heard it yet, if I say so myself, you're in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, our Oklahoma Music Legends tribute to the mayor of Tulsa Music and the master of space and time, Leon Russell. Born Claude Russell Bridges on April 2nd, 1942 in Lawton, Oklahoma, Russell, as he was called then, was born with a birth injury, leaving him partially paralyzed along his left side. The family home in Lawton had a piano, which Russell began playing around the age of four. The family first thought playing at the piano could only help Russell gain strength along his left side. An article in The Voice, Steve Todorov wrote, Russell's mother Hester had told him the first song he learned to play was the hymn Trust and Obey, which he picked out by ear. Russell's mother arranged piano lessons for her young son. The family moved to their new home on North Marion Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Russell Bridges attended Grover Cleveland Junior High and later Will Rogers High School, class of 59. From the book, Oklahoma Guide to 45 RPM Records and Bands, Johnny Williams said the summer before he began seventh grade at Cleveland, his parents got him a saxophone. He took a music class to learn how to play and joined the school band. The following year, he ran into a classmate who, too, was interested in music. His name, Russell Bridges. Johnny said that Russell was an accomplished classical pianist for his age, and together they began looking for others who were interested in playing the new rock and roll music they were listening to on Tulsa Radio. Soon their small, no-name band of classmates included a guitar player and vocalist, David Gates, yes, that David Gates, who was in the ninth grade at Cleveland Junior High. This trio of young musicians began playing lunch hour hops at Cleveland and a few small dances and parties. The following year, this trio, along with addition of Gerald Goodwin on stand-up bass and David Rutherford on drums, developed into one of the most popular bands in Tulsa and began calling themselves the Starlighters. After ninth grade at Cleveland, Russell entered Will Rogers High School. Attending Will Rogers High School along with Russell were a few other notable young musically talented students whose names you might recognize. The aforementioned David Gates, John Cale, a.k.a. J.J. Cale, along with Russell were Rogers' class of 59, and another name you may remember, Anita Bryant. Of note... While not in the classroom with any of the above students, another younger but talented Will Rogers High School class of 63 alum is Gaylard Sartain, otherwise known as G. Alard S. Sartain. Well, that's what we called him around here. Who, besides being a talented actor, was also an illustrator and did the cover of Leon Russell's Will of the Wisp album cover. Now, there's you a Leon Russell trivia question. By the way, I attended Will Rogers High School, class of 70, as did my three younger brothers behind me. 
I'm sure you don't mind if I insert some Rogers Roper pride here. Johnny Williams said in an article during their 11th grade at Rogers, the band began playing some of the clubs around town, Homer's Dance Land, the Sheridan Club, and, and Griff's Supper Club. He said during this time, other young musicians would sit in with the band at different times. Chuck Blackwell on drums, Leo Feathers on guitar, and a kid down the block from his house, Johnny Kale, again, J.J. Kale, Jack Dunham, and Jimmy Markham. Jack Dunham and Jimmy Markham would come in and do vocals. By the way, Chuck Blackwell and Leo Feathers would later become standout musicians and members of the Leon Russell Band. During the time Russell and the others were in high school, there were no age limits on who or what age anyone could come in and play in any Tulsa local nightclub. Oklahoma was a desert dry state, and the liquor laws were very tight. While there was no liquor by the drink, occasionally you could find places that you could get liquor by the wink. So talented musicians like Russell were free to play and hone their skills in clubs at night while, yes, still having to attend school during the day. And yes, there are stories of Russell and the boys being caught taking naps in English class. The AM rock and roll powerhouse in Tulsa at the time was radio station KAKC. KAKC would have battles of the bands where every band in the Tulsa area who could play a lick would come out and try to compete. But they had to go through the Starlighters to even have a chance to win. While in high school, Russell would sit in and play the piano with several other local bands, the Del Rays, Jumpin' Jack Dunham, the Upsetters, and the Accents. But the band Russell was most associated with during his school days in junior high and in high school was the Starlighters, whose members consisted of Russell, Gates, Leo Feathers, Chuck Blackwell, Jack Dunham, Jimmy Jr. Markham, and Johnny Williams. This group was instrumental in helping to create the unique cocktail mix of early rock and roll, western swing, gospel, and rhythm and blues, which is known now as the Tulsa Sound. Some years later, Leo Feathers laughed when telling this particular story. He said some people, back in the day, tried to convince Russell not to pursue singing in the Starlighters band, saying because his voice was too nasal, Russell would never make it as a singer. Insert your own remark here. By Russell and Johnny's senior year, the Starlighters band exploded and began working all throughout the Midwest. Yes, they still had to show up for class. After graduation, Russell was free of school and looking down the road. An opportunity came up for him and his band in the name of the killer, Jerry Lee Lewis. Fresh off the public lambasting, Jerry Lee received after the news had leaked out that Jerry Lee had married his much younger second cousin, caused Jerry Lee's popularity and big venue concert dates to dry up. He found he could only get booked into playing smaller, less-paying venues. So Jerry Lee couldn't afford the cost of traveling with a full band, and he needed players for his Tulsa concert. According to the recent Leon Russell lecture given by Steve Tartaroff, which my brother Tony and I attended, someone suggested Russell and the Starlighters to back up Jerry Lee Lewis for his Tulsa show. The show in Tulsa, with the boys backing up Jerry Lee, was a success. After the show in Tulsa, Jerry Lee, so impressed by these youthful musicians, he signed Russell and the Starlighters to travel with him on his Midwest tour. Throughout the next couple months, the group toured with Jerry Lee throughout Kansas, Nebraska, and Wyoming. 
It was reported touring with Jerry Lee could be difficult sometimes, playing in the small venues where the crowd was rough, bad weather made the travel conditions hazardous, and sometimes, well, not getting paid by Jerry Lee was a problem. The tour was abruptly halted when Jerry Lee was struck down by illness. But the hardships of the Lewis tour did not deter Russell from his pursuit of the music. Rather, the opportunity to travel with Jerry Lee only seemed to embolden Russell. In 1959, Russell, along with drummer Chuck Blackwell, loaded up the car and headed out to Los Angeles to seek their fame and fortune. They met up with a friend and former bandmate, David Gates, and started a new band. Fellow Oklahoman Tommy Alsop had moved out to California much earlier, established himself, and was a very successful A&R man for Mercury Records. Tommy Alsop was also a very accomplished session guitar player. Tommy got the young Oklahoma group their first paying gig in L.A. They were playing the Palomino Club on weekends. Later, Tommy Alsop would play a big part in Leon's story. Shortly, Claude Russell Bridges would be immediately recognized by his stage name, Leon Russell. When last we left our hero, Russell Bridges, along with his drummer and friend, Chuck Blackwell, they'd loaded up their belongings in Russell's old station wagon like many Okies had before them, headed west down Highway 66, seeking their fame and fortune in the land of milk and honey, destination Los Angeles, California. Upon arriving in California, the Tulsa Travelers met up with Russell's former bandmate and Will Rogers High School classmate, David Gates, with help from fellow Oklahoma music maker, Tommy Alsop, who had already made a name for himself as a gifted session guitar player. They began playing clubs around Southern California. This is where he met and became friends with Ricky Nelson's guitar player, James Burton. Burton became Russell's personal guitar teacher, Burton would also go on to become the leader of Elvis Presley's TCB band. The former Tulsa musicians quickly began getting attention from the decision makers in the record business. Each of them began getting opportunities doing some record work, but Bridges had a slight problem. He was only 18. He was recognized as a gifted musician by the L.A. music moguls, but he couldn't be used in recording sessions unless he was a union member. Catch-22. Two, join the musician's union, you had to be at least 21. His talents could only be used to develop and hammer out complete piano song arrangements for which he was paid only $50. A session piano player would then take Russell's work to the recording session, use his arrangement, and make scale wages, which were approximately, at that time, $100 an hour. Bridges needed to make his way into the recording studio and get involved in doing session work. Once again, Oklahoma music legend Tommy Alsop stepped in to help. He directed Russell to someone in Las Vegas who specialized in producing fake IDs. When Bridges got the ID, he saw the guy had made a mistake. Now, don't get ahead of me, but... You guessed it, the fake ID read Leon Russell. Bridges took his new identification immediately back home to Tulsa, where he joined Oklahoma Local Musicians Union number 47. Taking his new union number 47 identification card, he'd headed to Los Angeles Musicians Union number 71. That proved he was a Tulsa Musicians Union member which qualified him to play in recording sessions and to make union-scale wages. This is how Russell Bridges came to be known as Leon Russell. 
Now this is how Leon Russell historian Steve Todorov explained it. Speaking of Steve Todorov, his upcoming book on Leon Russell is scheduled to be available by November 2018. I personally can't wait. Leon quickly became a much-in-demand recording session player and became a member of the now-famous elite group of studio musicians known as the Wrecking Crew. His style of piano can be heard on records by artist Herb Albert's Taste of Honey, The Righteous Brothers, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, The Bird's Cover of Mr. Tambourine Man. He could also be heard playing on piano in a large number of radio and television commercial themes like the Clairol Shampoo commercial. Thanks to Hugh Foley's book, Oklahoma Music Guide, here's a list of some of the recording sessions in which he also appeared. He appeared with Glenn Campbell, Frank Sinatra, Bob Dylan, Ike and Tina Turner, Aretha Franklin, The Rolling Stones, Barbara Streisand, The Ventures, Bobby Darin, Wayne Newton, Sam Cooke, The Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Johnny Mathis, The Birds, and Cher. Treat yourself to a good story. Look on YouTube. Look up Cher's interview about Leon Russell. That's all I'm going to say about it. As an arranger, he supervised the musical production for Gary Lewis and the Playboys' 1965 number one hit, This Diamond Ring. Playing piano on Jan and Dean's Surf City, the Carpenter song Superstar, which he co-wrote. He played piano on the Beach Boys' California Girls and on their Pet Sounds album. And nearly all of Phil Spector's hit records, including the Crystals' hit, He's a Rebel. You can hear his piano chops on Walter Britton's hit, Old Man Rivers, The Ventures hit, Telstar, and on the Beach Boys, Little Deuce Coop. He was also a member of the Bobby Boris Pickett Crypt Kicker 5 band. Now, he did not play on the A-side of Monster Mash because he arrived late to the session, but he did play on the B-side, Monster Mash Party. Now, there's another Leon Russell trivia question you can spring on an unsuspecting friend. He was hired to work on songs and arrangements for the Monkees, but the Monkee producers didn't like the music Leon was developing, so they paid him $100,000 to get him out of his contract. Seems the Monkee producers thought Leon's music was just too soulful. There was no question that Leon's star was on the rise, and so was his income. He purchased a large unfurnished home in L.A.'s Hollywood Hills, where he built his own personal state-of-the-art recording studio and filled the home with aluminum lounge chairs and folding camping cots for his fellow Oklahoma music makers to use when they came to town. Leon's home had an open-door policy. It seems he would call back to Tulsa, alerting a Tulsa musician if he heard of an opportunity he believed one of these fellow Tulsa musicians could fill. In essence, Leon was the gatekeeper and big brother to his Tulsa Brotherhood of Musicians. The names of many of the musicians who took refuge of what was known as Leon's Skyline Drive House until they could get established is frankly legendary. If a Tulsa musician made a trip out west to find work in L.A., it's a safe bet Leon had a hand in their success. In the late 60s, two of the mainstays of the elite musicians group the Wrecking Crew, Glenn Campbell, very talented guitar player, and Leon Russell, for a number of reasons, were tiring of doing session work. They discussed maybe it was time they stretched themselves by moving toward performing 
and developing solo careers. You know, Lady Fortune shined on Campbell the day he came across Oklahoma songwriting giant Jimmy Webb. In 1969, along with music producer Denny Cordell, who at the time was producing Procol Harum, the Moody Blues, and Joe Cocker, he established Shelter Records, which operated from 1969 until 1981 with offices in Los Angeles and Tulsa. He arranged and co-produced the album Joe Cocker, which reached number 11 on Billboard's Top 200. This album also produced Russell's first commercial songwriting success when Cocker recorded his song Delta Lady, which Russell had originally written for Rita Coolidge. In 1969, he began touring with Delaney, Bonnie, and Friends, playing guitar and keyboards on their albums as a musician and in their touring band. It was through this association that he met George Harrison, Eric Clapton, and others he would work and perform with over the next several years. We find the 60s coming to a close with Leon Russell embarking upon several directions and musical projects as the next decade began. When we last left our hero, we found Leon blasting into the 70s in several different directions. He was getting shelter records up and running, signing talented performers to the label, attempting to focus on his own solo recording and performing career, all the while through collaborations with some of the most famous artists on the planet. He helped create incredible music while also playing an important part in some of music's most iconic events. Leon Russell released his first self-titled album of the 70s, which had the first recording of A Song For You, which has since been covered by over 40 different artists. Also on the album was the release of his own song, Delta Lady, which had first been released by Shelter Records artist Joe Cocker. Speaking of Joe Cocker, he was not happy when he found out in March of 1970 his management had booked him for an extended U.S. tour. He found himself in trouble. He talked Leon into helping and touring with him in what would be named the Mad Dogs and Englishmen Tour. Leon quickly assembled musicians and vocalists for the upcoming tour. He served as the musical director, record producer, song arranger, band leader, lead guitarist, piano player, and whatever else was needed for the tour. He called on several talented Oklahoma musicians to help. Bassist Carl Radel, drummers Jim Keltner and Chuck Blackwell to come out and play on the tour and in the recording sessions. Russell's influence evolved Cocker's style into more of a bluesy style of rock. The tour was a major success, as was the movie by the same name. Albums of the tour continued to sell strong, even into 2005, which marked the 35th anniversary of the tour. Later in 1970, Leon attended a concert to watch a young English piano player, Elton John. In an interview, Elton said of that night, he was playing in the Troubadour in L.A. on the second night. He looked out into the audience. He said the club only held about 200. He spied Leon sitting in the second row. He said Leon was his idol and the man he wanted to most play and perform like. Leon was impressed with the young Englishman and asked Elton to open for him on some upcoming tour dates. Elton considers this invitation by Leon to be the moment his career took off. This is another example of Leon's generosity to fellow musicians, offering them a helping hand up. This one, however, to Elton, would be paid back to him tenfold. In 1971, Leon's second album, 
Leon Russell and the Shelter People was the first of his solo efforts to go gold. His 1972 recording effort, Tightrope, spawned the number 11 hit of the same name. In March of 71, he found time to play and produce Bob Dylan during an experimental recording session. You can immediately hear Leon's soulful piano stylings on Watching the River Flow and When I Paint My Masterpiece. Through his friendship and touring with Delaney, Bonnie, and Friends, Leon became friends with ex-Beatle George Harrison. Harrison had become aware of the plight of the Bangladesh people through Ravi Shankar. He came up with the idea to promote and do a concert fundraiser for UNICEF and Bangladesh. Almost immediately, some of the time's biggest names in music and music production signed on when they were first approached by Harrison. Among them, Ringo Starr, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, Billy Preston, Badfinger, and of course, interrupting his tour to participate with this project was Leon, along with members of his band and Oklahomans, Carl Radel, Jim Keltner, and Chuck Blackwell. The show was set to be held in New York's Madison Square Garden on Sunday, August the 1st, 1971. Leon got involved vocally on the third verse of Harrison's rendition of Beware of Darkness. Later in the show, Leon and his band would slay the audience with his melody of the Stones, Jumping Jack Flash, and the Coaster's Young Blood. These tunes happened to be highlights of Russell's concert shows at the time. Leon was surprised when Dylan asked him to play bass guitar during his Bangladesh show set. He and Harrison also provided backup vocals on the course of Just Like a Woman. Friends. If you haven't seen the video or heard the soundtrack of this concert, let me advise you to put them on your musical bucket list. You will hear and see the concert goers at Madison Square Garden lose their collective minds. Earlier in the year, at the request of Harrison and Delaney, Bonnie and Friends, Leon played piano on Badfinger's third album, Straight Up. In 1972, he hit the road with his band and shelter people in Entourage for a large-scale tour. Billboard recognized him as a top concert draw and reported the concert tour's 1972 gross at over $3 million. In 1973, Billboard magazine named Leon the top concert attraction in the country. The industry's and audience's recognition for all his work touring and recording success up to that time. It seemed almost every project he undertook was successful. 1975's Will of the Wisp hit the top 40 charts with Lady Blue. It was his fourth gold album. The music and hits continued throughout the 70s. Leon decided to leave L.A. and move back home to Tulsa for a change of pace and for musical freedom. Now on to Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson was a big fan of what he referred to as Oklahoma piano player Leon Russell, only to learn that Leon had been a sideman during his recording sessions at Liberty Records out in L.A. back in the day. Willie said he remembered him looking like everyone else, straight-laced and short hair. Willie said later when he saw him on the Mad Dogs and Englishman tour, he was knocked out by Leon's appearance and his performance. He said he told Connie, his girlfriend at the time, this man is one of the greatest entertainers I have ever seen. He could hear Leon's musical roots were the same as his, Hank Williams, Bob Wills, country black blues. He said of Leon's style, it felt as familiar as an old pair of jeans. This duo paired up on the first Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic. 
Now, this was in 1973. Willie said he went to Tulsa to see how Leon had built his homegrown musical kingdom. He said, Jerry Wexler gave me the confidence to be in control of my recordings. Leon gave me the confidence to be in control of everything else. He said when he first talked to Leon about the picnic, Leon said, You bring the rednecks, Willie. I'll bring the hippies. This began a friendship that will last throughout Leon's life. Leon came back for the second picnic that was held at Texas Motor Speedway. 75,000 fans were thrilled by the varied music and the RV race that was held on the speedway. Leon appeared at the 75 picnic where an estimated 150,000 music fans were in attendance. Later in 78, the pair joined onto the One for the Road project where they both slid through several genres of music. Their big song coming out of this collaboration became a number one country hit. It was their rendition of Heartbreak Hotel. They took this show on the road to the delight of everyone who attended. Leon jammed with Willie in both his 79 and 80 picnics. Willie said his favorite moment was he got to jam between some of his favorites with two different generations. Ernest Tubb and Leon Russell with me in the middle. We close this episode at the end of the 1970 decade. The 1970s brought Leon from session work player to international fame and adulation. When we closed out the 70s, our hero was on top of the world, but just about to crest. The 80s opened with the Tulsa Shelter Recording Studio, The Church in turmoil between Leon and business partner Denny Cordell. Leon left Shelter Records in 1976 and started his own label, Paradise Records. Frankly, it seemed, at least to this fan, the Tulsa police at the time had a bullseye on him. Leon purchased old Pappy Reeves' Grand Lake fishing camp that was located high on the cliff that overlooked Grand Lake. Older Tulsans will remember the Reeves boys' commercials, which always ended by saying, don't forget about poor old Pappy. If you didn't buy at Reeves, you paid too much. The Reeves TV and Appliance Store closed down many years ago. Located at 15th and Harvard in Tulsa, the building still remains vacant. Leon built a large home, a large pool, with art painted on the bottom of the pool, state-of-the-art recording studio on the lake property. He had pretty much moved his entire operation to the lake house. Willis Allen Ramsey, who was signed to Shelter Records, told the crowd at Woodyfest 2018, the pool had problems and it slipped down the hill. He also said the recording giants made their way to the lake house to play and record. Leon left the property and, frankly, Oklahoma residence a couple of years later. In 1981, he joined the New Grass Revival to record a live album entitled Leon Russell and New Grass Revival, the live album. This concert can be found on YouTube. Afterward, he recorded a second country album utilizing his alter ego, Hank Wilson, following Hank Wilson. Wilson, he recorded a country blues album, which was recorded in his Paradise Studio, located in Henderson, Tennessee. From the mid-80s into the 90s, Leon must have been searching or simply experimenting for a different sound, something that was uniquely different musically, anything that would help to slow down his slipping from musical prominence. He started an independent label, Leon Russell Records, in 1995. He recorded live albums from Japan, another with Willie Nelson, a Christmas album, two more Hank Wilson projects, making a total of four for Hank Wilson. He released a Greatest Hits album. It's safe to say the passage of time was not kind to him. Although he continued to record albums, success in the music industry is measured in album sales 
hit singles, and chart positions. His album releases seemed to come at almost a frenzied pace. He continued to tour, but it seemed his career was winding down. From 1984 until 2010, a total of 26 years, none of his recordings charted or received any traction. In all, Leon recorded 40 albums, of which nine were compilation projects utilizing former recordings. As impossible as it may sound moving into the year 2010, Leon found himself languishing in near musical obscurity until the telephone rang. It was a call from Elton John. The following is an excerpt taken from an interview Elton John did right before Leon's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Elton John said in this interview, he and his partner David were on a trip to Africa. While he was shaving, David was playing Leon Russell's greatest hits on his iPod. Elton said listening to the songs brought him to tears. David asked him, what's wrong? Elton said when he first came to America, Leon was great to him. That Leon was his idol and the man I most wanted to play like, sing like, and look like. He said, I was playing at the Troubadour Club in Southern California. On the second night, I looked down and there sat at Leon in the second row. After the show, Leon was so nice to me and encouraging. He asked me to come on the road with him and we did six or seven shows. He introduced me to Bob Dylan. He just couldn't have been more gracious or nicer, especially since we were doing basically the same thing. Then we lost touch with each other around 1972. I got in contact with Leon and asked him, how you doing? To which Leon replied, making ends meet and doing some shows. We talked for a while and made plans to meet for dinner when I returned to America. I hung up the phone and I turned to Dave and I said, this is not why I called him. I got a hold of T-Bone Burnett, who's a famous record producer that I didn't know. And I asked him if he would do an album with me and Leon. And he said, yes. I called Leon back and told him of this idea, to which Leon responded, Do you think I can do it? After Elton's assurances, Leon gave in to fate and replied, Let's do it. In November of 2009, John, Russell, and Bernie Toppin began work on the Union album, a double album credited equally to Russell. It was recorded in February of 2010. The CD was released on October 9, 2010. The Union would be Russell's sixth gold album. The album would be listed in Rolling Stone's top five albums of 2010. The Union charted at number three. This would be Leon's last gold album and his last project to chart. Through Elton's insistence, or at least being the driving force, Leon Russell was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I doubt either would have come to pass without Elton's repaying of the generosity and kindness Leon had shown to him some 40 years earlier. Leon said of the Union Project, Elton came and found me on the side of the highway of life and took me up to the high stages and treated me like a king. Elton said, I'm proud of Leon for coming back and proving to us all what a wonderful and incredible artist he is. Leon began touring again, both with Elton to promote both the album which they had created and the documentary film of the production process of the album, The Union. He also began touring again as a solo performer doing the Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic in 2013. Various projects developed to keep Leon productive. 
He was playing to enthusiastic crowds in 2016 and was planning an extensive tour into 2017. For me, doing the Leon Russell story has been a project of love and admiration. As a kid in Tulsa pumping gas at the Phoenix Station at 15th and Harvard in Tulsa, I had seen Leon driving down Harvard in his white Rolls Royce. I was at the Willie Nelson concert in Tulsa at the Civic Center when during Willie's set, Leon entered the stage, walked across it, and sat on a speaker box watching the show. Willie grasped the microphone and remarked, Who was that masked man? We in the audience lost our collective minds. The show was on a weekday, continued past midnight with both of them at the microphones. Later I saw him in concert with Mary and their mothers. He was a fantastic showman. Leon died in his sleep of an apparent heart attack November 13, 2016 at his home in Mount Joliet, Tennessee. Services were held both at his home church in Tennessee and at the Maybe Center on Oral Roberts University campus. Monies were being raised for a monument and possible internment at Memorial Park Cemetery, located at 51st and Memorial in Tulsa. A spot was chosen that was just down from the Bob Wills plot. When funding for a large black piano-shaped monument stalled, Elton John stepped in, wrote the check that finished off the monument's fundraising effort. The plan is to have the monument in place by the second year anniversary of Leon's passing, November 13, 2018. The artist's rendering of the monument can be seen on our website's gallery page. Coinciding with the date of November 13th, it's hoped that the Leon Russell biography, written by Leon historian Steve Todoroff, will be released. This concludes our four-part series on the mayor of Tulsa music and the master of space and time. You've been listening to Oklahoma Music Legends, the Leon Russell Tribute. Tell your friends they can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Music Play, Buzzsprout, and on iTunes. Like our Facebook page, Oklahoma Music Legends. Check out our website, oklahomamusiclegends.com. For Oklahoma Music Legends, a Leon lifer, I'm Tommy Henshaw. Thanks for listening.